me division and community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division and community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor. I forgot. I don't. I didn't even almost say creative director. I literally forgot what I am. <laughs> care pastor. I'm a person. I'm a person, a human being um, here at Hill City Church, where we record this in every episode of the podcast. And I am here with my co-host, lead pastor, also person, <laughs> as far as I know, John Wagler. Yes. John. Indeed. <laughs> you doing all right? Yeah. Coming off snow. Coming off of snow. I know you hate a snow. You know, I'll say this. I, I do. But I, <laughs> I will also say this, you know, playing with the kids outside in the snow is fun. And um, it just takes me a second to want to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I actually don't inherently want to do it just because mm-hmm. growing up in upstate New York and all the snow. But when I get out there, I'm all in. Like, I'm all in for yeah. the snowball fights. Like, we're going to do a snowman. I'm going to try and make it the biggest freaking snowman we can do. Right? Like, that's. And so, um, yeah. So it's, it's good and bad for me. I'm like that with the beach. And I grew up similar. Like, you grew up around a lot of snow. I grew up on the right. beach. And, like, if you say, do you want to go to the beach? My answer is always no. <laughs> but if we get down there and I just, like get my shirt off and get down there. I'm like, yeah, super all in. I will not just sit on the beach and do nothing right. and like read a book. I will, you know, jump around in the waves and dig the hole and build the sandcastle and play Fritzby and whatever. But yeah, it's hard for me to, to be like, yes, I do want to go to the beach right, right now. Yeah. Unless, you know, in my current contemplative state, I did very much True. like sitting and staring at the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but that was uh, something different than a day at the beach, I think. Um, Cool. Well, welcome, uh, everyone, back to the third season. Um, we got a good show for you today. We're going to do a follow-up on our last episode um, where we talked to Seagoss uh, about uh, Original Sin. We got some great feedback on that, and we're actually going to do something we've never done and sort of like field a, a listener call. <laughs> uh, we don't actually have a, uh, anything set up for that, though maybe we should. Man, 1-800-STAY-CURIOUS would be. I'm pretty into that. I'm going to look into that this week. Um, but... Uh, um, we're just going to kind of go over some of the feedback and, and listen to a voice message that somebody sent in. But before we do that, let's go to our new segment uh, for this third season called From the Feed. All right. So, John, what's what's going on in your Twitter feed this week? You know, one thing that I, I'm always like, I, those like random videos of like life hacks always grab me. Yeah. And um, I saw one the other day. I don't even know if it works yet. We're gonna. I'm gonna try it this weekend. But this woman uh, started rubbing this piece of garlic. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she had cracked an egg in one one cup, okay. and then she had an empty cup another. She rubs this piece of garlic several times, mm-hmm. and then goes in and um, reaches into the cracked egg that you know she put out in the other cup and pulls out the yolk, mm-hmm. and then drops it in. The other cup. If this is lit the right way, it's a scene from a movie about witches. <laughs> so I don't, what you're describing to me is a witch. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm assuming it doesn't actually work, but I was just like, so it was I the garlic the on her fingers that made yes, it stick. Yes, like so she like rubs it. She rubbed it several times. Reaches her hand and picks up the yolk. It was as if it was like dry. Yeah. And she picks it up and drops just the whole yolk in the other cup. I want you to give me your login so that I can see your feed. Because you always have the good, the like fun stuff. <laughs> like just like is... funny and random. I just, anyway. That's awesome. Um, I got to bring this up. Uh, in my feed, what I saw, I woke up the other day to find out that Marilyn Manson had gotten canceled. I did see Fully that canceled. I know. Did you see like my snarky tweet? I don't think I saw that. I was like, uh, what did I say? It was something to the effect of like, Watching Marilyn Manson get get cancel cultured in a Me Too moment is like King Kong versus Godzilla for '90s evangelical dads. <laughs> Whose side do I take? <laughs> I also imagine Tipper Gore just being like, "I told you he wasn't a nice guy." <laughs> well, I also like when I saw that headline, I was kind of like, "I mean, who didn't think this was going to happen?" Right? <laughs> you know? Like, mm, interesting. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. It's like it's always the danger of art like for as somebody who defends art and like oh this is his art this is so and so's art like even though it's not for you it's still art right there's always the thing of like then when it happens you're like but you saw that coming right <laughs> yeah it's like yeah, you know exactly. that wasn't just his art right. that's like how he is <laughs> i know i don't know i thought that that was hilarious it just again the visual of like even like just 
somebody who hated Marilyn Manson in the 90s, like a sort of conservative Christian, like parental guidance. Yeah, what is it? Parental advisory sticker, Tipper Gore just sure. shrugging and being like, I told you he wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Farewell, Marilyn Manson. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the main part of our show where we are going to continue our conversation on the concept of original sin. Y'all know we stay curious over here. here, here, here. All right, so original sin was the thing y'all wanted to hear about. Our play, our like play count was up a little bit, which you know we got that we got that celebrity hip hop celebrity boost a little bit from the fake famous Corey uh, Goss, yeah, I'm sure. But um, and yeah, we got we got some great. You probably feedback. shouldn't say that. I'll go to his head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, you know what, Corey? Do you think? Um, and uh, I got. I rarely get text messages about. Um, episodes, but this was one that I for, had forgotten I'd even posted it, and before the morning that I posted it was over, like before lunch that day, I got two text messages, which you know that's a good episode. <laughs> um, so we want to kind of continue talking about that, and, and um, we're going to listen to a response from um, one of Corey's friends that uh, was just thoughtful and really kind, and that we kind of wanted to respond to um, in turn. But before that, you know, I kind of want to um, remind everyone uh, and maybe even like remind myself that, you know, the point of this podcast is diversity in thought without division and community. Yeah. And I think that um, when we talk about stuff like that, you know, we need to remember and I need to remind myself that division and community looks like um, picking a doctrine and saying that if you don't like if you don't adhere to this doctrine, you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's funny, for all the things that the Catholic Church has not done right, um, the more I study, like, church history, both, like, Catholic, Protestant, um, pre-Catholic, the more I realize that they did a pretty good job originally um, of saying, like, okay, well, this – like, St. Francis was weird. Like, his theology is weird. <laughs> but they didn't say, you're not a Catholic anymore. Right, they yeah. were just like, okay, well, then this is Franciscan. This is the Order of Francis. Like, if this is your thing, you can go over here in this, like, room of Catholicism and, yeah. like – it, there was room for it. Um, I think, you know, then you get into, like, the Inquisition and stuff, and obviously that goes out the door. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, like, as we continue to talk about stuff like this, I just would encourage everyone um, to remember that, like, if we believe in that Jesus died and rose from the dead and that, you know, that's the thing, um, even if you were to go back to, like, just the Apostles' Creed, <laughs> which is sure. not a perfect document, yeah, that— there's room, there is room for conversation, and there has always been room for conversation. Like, we mentioned it last time. Origen was basically a universalist. I, like, I don't agree with everything Origen said, but dude existed. You know, he was writing about Jesus in, like, the third century. Yeah. <laughs> so this is not a new concept. Yeah, I think, it, you know, we do need to remember, like, a bigger tent is okay, and, like, appreciating perspective and opinions, and none of us get this 100% right, even what we're going to talk about today. We're n- we're not going to claim to get this 100% right. It's just, like, we're talking some different perspectives. Some of this is just fun to do, you know, and we're not trying to, like, put a stake in the ground sometimes, and we're just, like, appreciate the banter back and forth. And it also enables us to, like, hey, you know what? There's a beauty in people's perspectives. There's a beauty in how we engage us now. I will also say this. Are there things you can't waver off of in Christianity? Of course. Mm-hmm. Like you can't waver off Jesus um, being the son of God. You can't waver off of his death and resurrection. You can't, you can't, I don't believe you can waver off of like the Bible being the inspired word of God, but like you, you can't waver on uh, some key elements of scripture. Um, but those, the amount of those things that are actually what you can't waver off of and that you need to be close visited on is very, very small mm. in the scheme of things. And so I think part of like why I enjoy what we do here, and sometimes it makes people mad, sometimes it makes them happy, sometimes it's too much, not enough, whatever. You know, I think w- I, I just want to have this culture, even in our community, that we value when someone else is like, yeah, but what about, you know, and we kind of like take it in. Like at the call that we're about to listen to, this is literally the perfect example of how to do it. Yeah. Like it, this I'm not, I'm not sure if I've met Corey's friend or not or mm-hmm. um and but like he was just so good like and he brings up some great questions and I'm not even claiming to have like the exact answers to but we'll talk about it but like 
how he did it and how he approached it is just so dang good. And I'm like, this is like a perfect model of how to approach like when you make come from a different perspective rather than being like, what? Like, how dare you say this about Adam and Eve or how dare you, you know, like you must not be, you know, and kind of leading with those kinds of things. Yeah, because like, you know, I won't quote it perfectly, but you can have all knowledge and speak with the speak with the language of angels but if you do so without love you're but a clanging gong right so tone is everything um but tone doesn't and we know this too even relationally the only time you have right tone is when you have the right heart yes you can't fake tone you can't fake tone yeah it's an overflow yeah your words are an overflow of your heart also scriptural that i can't quote because i'm terrible at quoting scripture per jesus Jesus. (laughs) yeah totally and i think also like i'm not sure you know I'm not sure that any of us are really to blame like the the concept of denominational division and this idea that like if we can't agree on the particulars of baptism or whatever, then like you got to move across the street and build your own church was kind of handed down to us. Yeah. And it is very much like I don't want to put it all on Luther, but it is like um, probably started back at Augustine. And, and we talk about uh, St. Augustine and Luther was an Augustinian monk before he, you know, broke off from the Catholic church. Like there's a, there's a common thread that is really part of our inheritance as Christians that, um, is okay for us to say, you know, maybe we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like just because we inherited this like spirit of division a little bit, correct? wherein if we can't agree on a particular, then we have to start a new church or a new denomination. That doesn't mean we need to keep being that way. Yeah, we all bring something like our engagement with God, our engagement with the Bible, our engagement with one another. We are all bringing um, things that we inherited from people before us or the denomination we grew up in or the church structure we, you know, or the pastor we learned under. You know, um, we all bring those things to the table and we're never like an original thought. Mm. You know, Truly. it's like we're we're always bringing other things to the table. And that's why even for us. You know, yes, I am the main communicator in our community, but that's why I, you know, sometimes I do have strong opinions on things, but I do my best to be like, hey, here are some other options mm-hmm. that, that we can think through that from very faithful Christians, you know, and um, and so I think that's important to do. Yeah. I mean, Solomon was one of the wisest men uh, who ever lived, according to the Bible, and he opens with, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> it's all dust. Um All right, cool. Well, let's go ahead and listen to this voicemail, and then um, we'll get into it. Hey, what's up, man? Um, So I checked out the podcast, and it is dope. I like it. It was a good good dialogue. Um, Now, I'm actually curious to hear about this guy's view of Adam, Um, the, you know, historical Adam, Um, because it sounds like he would take the Richard Rohr position um, and that Adam was more um more figurative versus historical adam was a kind of person representing something but not actually real um, which would then in turn mean that you know original sin isn't a thing if adam isn't historical um so yeah i mean that's that's interesting because um eventually that's going to get you back to jesus and you know, if, if scripture says that he is the second Adam to fix what Adam broke, if you don't believe Adam broke anything, possibly, because Adam wasn't a real person, I think at best you have Jesus being the better person, right? Versus uh, the same way that I am under Adam is the same way that I go from being under Adam to now being under Christ as my head. And so, all right, there's... There's headship stuff there that's that could break down because if Adam isn't historical yet, Paul and Peter and, you know, the apostles and uh, even scripture, other scripture uh, refers to Adam being historical. Hmm. You know, which leads me back into even things like uh, inerrancy, infallibility, how truthful is scripture? Um, is scripture meant to be? Uh, uh, authoritative in life and practice and doctrine, teaching, right? All that stuff. Um, so it makes me really, really curious um, for his view on Adam because um, if if Adam isn't historical, right? If he isn't a person, um, then no one's really born in Adam. 
Right, which means that, well, you're not really that sinful. Because if there is no Adam who didn't do an actual sin, then no sin is actually inherited to us. Therefore, right, the whole thing kind of goes backwards and starts to unravel. And you start to even question resurrection. What does resurrection mean? Why is that important? Because if Adam wasn't real, sin didn't come into the world through him, right, through his sin. If that didn't happen, death isn't really about sin. Therefore, right, resurrection unravels, right? All, all of it is tied together because of Eden. The whole reason why resurrection is resurrection because someone had to defeat death, which is brought into the world by one historical man, Adam, right? The whole thing kind of breaks down. So resurrection can really become this kind of spiritual analogy of what real life looks like and not having any implication on life and death itself. So I'll be curious to hear that. I'll be very curious to hear his view of Adam. All right. Well, um, we got permission to play that email or that voicemail, but I didn't get like I didn't secure permission to give the person's name. So I don't think it's anonymous because they're afraid of anything. I just it was operational. <laughs> I forgot to get it. So, you know, we're not doing names, but um, I'm just super thankful again for the tone. We'll just say really nice person yeah. who handled things very lovingly and very well. <laughs> yeah. It's like dear Abby. Very, <laughs> thank you for that. Very nice in Richmond. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, just super appreciate the tone, but John, what are your initial thoughts after um, kind of listening to that and uh, some of the thoughts that he sort of put forth, especially about, you know, Adam, I think was a big thing for him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that, you know, part of it. I, he brings up really great questions that in, that I think are, are important to like think through. And I think he brings in a really great questions and perspective and challenges in terms of, Hey, as you're engaging, you know, theological discussions, it is like, we always have to remember that for every time that we say one thing, someone can easily poke a hole in it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's like, there's a, there's a pretty easy way to do that in almost all theological conversations that, that again, that don't boil down to like, did Jesus die and rise, you know, did he rise again? Yeah. You know, for, so I think that that's important. I think some of the things and, um, when he began to like first go is Adam historical and begin to work through some of that stuff, you know, that's been a conversation for a really long time. It's taken on a huge shift in the past, I don't know, probably 10 years in particular because of what science has began to study around genetics mm -hmm. and in particular the human genome project. And so as science is discovering a lot of things about, um, create not, not necessarily creation but humanity and how that might apply to scripture um it is starting to like rock the boat a little bit in terms of how people have kind of settled on certain things when it comes to origin stories and and in the beginning of the bible it was was its intent to actually be about the human origin or the um to tell an origin story or was it trying to tell something bigger you know so there's there's new conversations that are really healthy that are happening right now that honestly, when I was growing up, they weren't happening. You know, no one was sitting there talking about was his historical Adam a thing. So this is all like kind of predicated on, you know, some of this new research and science that's come out. Some people, as we've, you know, learned more about scripture and ancient texts and everything too, like this new conversation is happening. And I think what we hear in the voicemail is like, there's some rub there doesn't have to be bad it really I, I don't think it has to be bad but like um but there are some things to to wrestle with in the midst of that yeah and you know one of the things he said was that i kind of wanted to not correct but uh, but broach was you know that it sounded like i was taking roar's position um, you know richard roar's position of adam is figurative rather than literal i think to clarify that Rohr's position, which is the Franciscan position, right, right. Um, is really less is Adam real or not, but rather what is your definition of real? So he's not concerned about the word Adam in that sentence as much as he's concerned about real. Yeah. Um, and from there, you kind of get into, you know, just as science is revealing things um, about creation and about the genome and about how the earth was made and like we're always sort of like working to um, either incorporate or push against that, which I think neither of those is necessarily the right. Um, I think there's an in-between there. 
in the same way, um, archaeology, you know, we always think of like science, the life sciences, right? So like the Big Bang or the human genome, but like also archaeology, anthropology, mm-hmm. psychology, like the other sciences are also discovering new things about how our brains work and how um, our, you know, the soul and like the validity of, you know, it used to be, oh, you're a man of science. You don't believe in a silly thing like a soul. But now it's like, well, no, there is this thing that's between your physiology and your psychology that is something else. Um, And uh, one of, I think, the big moves forward um, that I'm starting to hear a lot about um, and that you, I think you've even read some about, is this idea of the monomyth or like the meta narrative. So Joseph Campbell talks about the hero's journey. Brene Brown talks about it. Richard Rohr talks about it a lot. Um, and it's a thing that theologians and philosophers um, have really taken as like a step forward in the same way that Freud was like a big step forward in psychology and like, okay, like he's made some points that we can't ignore and we need to like start thinking about it. Right. This idea that um, there is my story there's our story, and then there's the story <laughs> sure. um, that is told over and over and over again has weight, and we have to yeah. keep that in mind. And one of the things that that brings up is this idea that, you know, right now we think of this word myth in the terms of, like, myth busters. Like, I'm going to bust this myth. This is a this is a urban myth, or this is a lie that I'm going to disprove. But historically, the concept of myth is not what's not real. It's what's the most real. Like, how can I tell this story and communicate to you? Not that, like, Odysseus or Hercules was a real person, but, like, this is what really happens. Like, right. this is a good, you know, good triumphs over evil, or you have to leave home, learn about yourself, and return back to your home. Like, the, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's – Rohr's position would more be, well, maybe Adam was a biological human or maybe not, but – What's what are we actually like getting from the story? And is that the most important thing? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, I think it's important too for folks kind of just hopping in and like, what the heck are you guys talking about? Or using phrases. I think, you know, the Bible is an ancient text and you can't get around that. And so um, ancient wrote, writers wrote in an ancient way. We can't, like, sometimes we try and put things on ancient writers that, it's not even fair, you know, and because they didn't think like we do, they didn't act like we do, they didn't write like we do, they didn't have certain knowledge like we do now, you know, and so that's important as we begin to engage scripture. Uh, I also want to like say too, we we're gonna have an exchange of ideas around this, but um, you know, like I fully believe in the authoritative word of God. I believe that the Bible is absolutely one hundred percent true and what it's trying to be one hundred percent true about. I believe that it's the inspired word of God, all right? So I believe it can be you know, used for rebuking and teaching and all those things. And so um, I believe in all those things. But the Bible is also this beautiful living document that requires us to always engage it faithfully and humbly and to understand that when we are, it's important for us to never read the Bible flat, meaning like, like this is why like every time you read it, if you keep reading scripture, you could be like, oh, I didn't notice that before. You know, because it's a living, breathing document, the way the Spirit of God works in us. And so if you read it flat, though, you're going to miss a lot of things. If you read it flat, you're just going to take in what you want to. Um, but if you appreciate the text and the way things are written and how it was designed, you know, even down to like in the ancient text, like there's these things called design patterns throughout the entire Old Testament that they're linking into different parts of it so that the reader would then go back to other times or the reader would see like, oh, that's how they said it in Genesis too. And so it's taking us back and forth and back and forth. And there's this beauty and this fluidity within scripture. It's this use of metaphors and stories and everything that sometimes are are not literal, you know, and so we've got it. And that's the way ancient texts were also written. So there's, we've got to appreciate those things as well. And in times of like when we're engaging some of this stuff and then have those discussions of like, yeah, but if this isn't true or if this isn't right, does it impact something else later on? And those are great discussions to have. And then, but I think a lot of times though, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be though, right? Like just because we can't like necessarily explain something doesn't mean it isn't right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and so, um, and just because like we can't fully understand something or if there's like something else at, at play um, or the wording doesn't make sense or the wording isn't exactly the way we want it, it doesn't make it false either. Mm-hmm. You know, so like there's, 
that's the beauty of scripture. And that's, again, this is an old document, a really, really old document. And one of the most tested and (laughs) picked apart document that we have, um, which obviously shows its validity and its ability to withstand the test of time. But we also have to remember, too, that in particular, Genesis 1 to Genesis 11, right? Um, it's like a, this huge like kind of create creation and society narrative of everything. And every, um, every uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Every kind of people grouping before this and belief system before this, they also had creation stories. They also had flood stories. Like they also had like, so we can't forget some of these things that were playing into this in terms of how the Bible was written and what questions they're trying to answer and maybe some things that they're actually not trying to answer. So that becomes part of the discussion too. Yeah, I, I like that. Some things they're not trying to answer. I think that a big issue in this conversation is that, again, post-Reformation um, and post-Enlightenment for sure, we sort of push the church into an area that, we kind of made the church Michael Jordan playing baseball. Okay. I'm going to be fascinated to hear how you tell <laughs> So Michael Jordan was not a great baseball player. He wasn't a terrible baseball player. No, he was a better he baseball player than, thing, yeah, than I am. Incredible what yeah, he he's did, still yeah. a pro baseball player. Yeah. But um, he was basketball. For sure. Like he was the answer to basketball, right? So if science comes along and says, hey, we figured out how we got here, and then – and so they're like, hey, we have a baseball game going on. Mm-hmm. And re- religion, spirituality, the Bible, us, us, the spiritual, all of a sudden now want to play the how game when we're already so good at the why game. Does that make sense? I know it's a little weird of an analogy. <laughs> it's a, yes, it is kind of a weird analogy. <laughs> Maybe I'll but... cut out that analogy. <laughs> so science, if, if science can explain how we got here, they still can't explain why. Correct. Absolutely. And that's our job. Yeah. But we're not doing our job as well because we're also trying to play this other sport. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? That part does. No, that that makes more sense. Yeah. I <laughs> I think yes. I think sometimes we try putting too much on on ancient writers that they were not trying to do. Yeah. And then even with science now, is there a beauty in science? Absolutely. But here's that something else about science. It's always changing. Yeah. Always discovering so you know, so and then the why is not there for science. You yeah. know, and so there's this I think sometimes, too, we get so wrapped up in if you believe this, everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it doesn't have to, though. Like a lot of times people have said something like that to me. And I'm like, you're saying that to me. And it didn't for me. Mm-hmm. Like we have a different opinion on this. But like my faith did not fall apart. It actually gave me more appreciation for scripture. I don't, you know, and sometimes I'll I'll reverse it on them. Like why, why? What you're saying, you're telling me that it unravels if I believe that, yet mine is deepened. So then the better question is, is why is yours going to unravel? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, so, and some of the issues there are even – so I don't think that somebody who says it could fall apart or he, he – um, our friend here says unravel. Uses yeah, the term I'm not unravel even saying he's saying that. I a just, couple of times. Yeah. But I think that you know the words are the overflow of our heart, right? And um, – I think that when we use terms like that, it reveals in us that um, somewhere deep down we believe that it can be unraveled, and I don't. Be- I don't believe that it can. No, I, I believe yeah, I can not real up- faith in Jesus. No, I don't. Right, yeah. I don't. I don't believe. I believe I could fall out of faith. I guess you know because I'm flawed. I believe that I can misunderstand it. I believe that other people can misunderstand it, but I don't believe that it can unravel. Yeah. Um, if I've- it if it could, it would have already. Right. But I mean, yeah. I really mean that because like we're talking thousands of years of a lot of these discussions. and But yet the the cross and the resurrection remain. The Bible remains. The spirit of God remains. People keep coming to faith in Jesus remains, you know. And so yeah. I just believe in that power of God. Yeah, I just and I think I'm going to try to use another analogy and hopefully do a better job this time. <laughs> but, you know, when we think about our so. I'll use the analogy Jesus uses about himself. I am the living water. Like drink, you know, drink from me and and you'll never be thirsty again. If you look at the analogies that God uses for himself in the Bible, there are occasionally rock analogies, but it's almost always from someone else, a psalmist or a prophet who's in a time of war or or in a time of uncertainty and they need the like rock energy. So like God is our rock. So we need something solid. And so there's an aspect of God that's a rock or a fortress, right? 
But um, Jesus describes himself as water, light, salt, these things that are hard to attack and break down. (laughs) Like if I have a giant naval fleet and I go to attack a, a coastal town, all they need is the right missiles and they can repel my attack. You know what happens when a tidal wave comes? You leave. You're not gonna. You're not gonna defeat the wave. Like the water sure. cannot be defeated. Like it moves. It changes shape. It's also, but it never stops being water. You and I have talked about this as mm-hmm. like an analogy for God, but also for our faith in God. So just, I would. I guess I would challenge people when we're thinking about our whatever apologetic dialectic relationship with the Bible, relationship to God, if you find yourself feeling like something could unravel or something could fall down or tumble or crumble, um, maybe turn your mind a little bit toward the reality that like God is God and the Bible too, Mm -hmm. as a living document, is not a wall that can fall over. It's not an unbelievable army that can like dominate over other ideologies it's the ocean. <laughs> like you're not going to – you can do your best to try yeah. to defeat it and you won't. Um, does that make sense? It does, yeah. I know that's a heady analogy. Yeah. Well, let's get into like uh, – we can't get into everything. Let me also say this. The yeah, this person would be on the call, a 10 Like hour. this would be a 10-hour – yeah. <laughs> this and, would become an audio book. And maybe be like a fun – like if he ever comes in our office, we can just banter about with one another. But, um, you know, I do want to say this for those wondering like what do people believe about Adam – And there are very faithful Christians that believe in the power and the authority of Scripture um, who believe different things about Adam. Some believe in a a historical Adam and a historical Eve and that they were literal and that they were the first two humans created. Um, There are some that believe in, though this number is getting less and less, there's some that believe in like a literal, you know, six days of creation, you know, and um, they might say seven, but I would. I have a rebuttal to the seventh part, but um, they believe in a six day, you know, creative thing and a young earth and everything. And and so there's, there are very faithful Christians that believe in that and tie certain elements of their faith. There are some who believe in a figurative Adam and Eve, that um, it's just a story trying to tell a larger story about God, Um, that there is a a system at place um, that, you know, like God is creator still in the same way he was with a literal Adam and Eve. Um, and, but we don't under, fully understand what that means. And everyone had a creation story back then um, and everything. And so this was kind of like Israel's way, God's way of being like, no, this is the, a larger story here that's at play. Um, then you've got some folks who believe that uh, Adam and Eve, that God created all the, that there were all these people that were created and that Adam and Eve were created kind of are picked out of the people. All mm-hmm. right. So they were picked out of like, no, you're, you're going to be specific. You're going to tie into the story and people of Israel. Um, and you're going to kind of like, and then through all of this becomes the story of the savior. Um, all three people believe in God as creator. All three people believe in sin as an issue. All three people believe Jesus took care of those sins. Okay, with his death and his resurrection. So all of those things um, play in in some way or shape or form. Right. And so um, very faithful Christians step into um, those things. Now, in all of those things, there are some problems in terms of like, how do you like there's always holes in, in people's stories or people's kind of belief around Adam, because when you're looking at something this massive, there's no exact blueprint for this. Hmm. There just isn't. And so uh, oh, I would I would say I, there is a fourth grouping. I forgot a fourth grouping. There are those that believe in evolution, mm-hmm. right? That evolution happened into humanity. Hmm. And um, they would be a fourth grouping in that God somehow as creator worked that mm-hmm. into what we see and got into humanity. Sin is still an issue as part of the system and everything. And so... So those um, those kind of encapsulate like these are all the views mm-hmm. basically on creation and Adam and Eve and everything. Because, again, up to that point, uh, every grouping of people and belief system had a creation story. Um, actually, all of those um, belief systems, too, um, like the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, they also had um, this idea of the image of God 
And um, but they it was always reserved for royalty. Mm-hmm. So even in the Bible, the idea of the image of God was this big deal in Genesis chapter one because it was the first time that um, any belief system had attached to it that everyone was part of the image of God. Mm-hmm. And so there there are these things even within this creation story that are actually speaking to the other creation stories. And and so that's part of this too that we don't have the we're not raised, honestly, in church to like tackle this in its fullest, you know, because it's easier to be like, hey, he created in six days. It's a literal Adam and Eve and kind of move on because we like things in black and white. We don't like the tension of. And I, I always say that like studying the Enuma Elish, which was the Babylonian like creation myth in college brought didn't uh, lessen my faith. <laughs> yeah, it actually made my faith stronger. And I, I mean, it was at VCU. It was I didn't study it with you know the slant of like the Bible at all. Yeah. Um. But looking at the other Near Eastern creation myths, um, and then looking at how they dialogue with our creation story, um, is wild. I would encourage anyone who you know just do the Wikipedia. I know Wikipedia is incomplete, but like look at other Near Eastern creation myths. First off, if you compare them to ours, you could still say Adam wasn't a real person and the and the world wasn't really made in seven actual days. And the Hebrew creation myth is still like more scientific sounding than <laughs> some of the others. You know, like yeah. um and so that you know that gets onto the like spectrum of real like it's more real even if it's not like forensically verifiable yep. if that makes sense yeah i tend to fall in that fourth category um only because to me it makes sense that like the so there's an emphasis on the like dirt on the clay uh that i mean even adam means red red clay in, sure. in ancient ancient hebrew when uh, out of Adama, the dust yeah out of the dust and the dom so this concept of like evolution is like basically your you grow over millions of years from a microbe into a fish into a right. da, 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 da. yeah but i'm not like if somebody was like no that's not what it is i would say okay that's fine <laughs> right um and i think that's another thing we need to to keep in mind is this stuff our, the great commission is not prove adam was a real person the great right. commission is not prove job was a real person Correct. the great commission is not even prove you know there are four gospels and would you agree that they're not all in perfect sync <laughs> For sure. They're not. There are differences in all of them. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. even when the Council of Nicaea was canonizing the Bible, they realized it was important to have more than one take on Jesus's life. Mm-hmm. Even if it was confusing, it was important to have more than one perspective on how things went down. And the Great Commission is to make disciples. So if you're talking to somebody and they're asking big questions and they go, hold on, though, Adam couldn't be a real person. Don't let that be the thing to stop you. Say, like, right. yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was he was yeah. the maybe Adam is, is the is, representative yeah. term for evolution. I that's yeah. fine. Let's talk about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. We're Christianity, not Adamanity. <laughs> I don't know what the word would be there. But yeah, I think, you know, again, when you get into the creation story, that's a, that's the beauty of it. Like, that's why I actually, like fully appreciated his questions and everything, too. It's like, this is the beauty of this. Like, this is God is bigger than like our finite minds. And so the ability to be in to wrestle with some of this stuff while focusing on the death and resurrection of Jesus as the core element becomes a, a key piece to this. For me, I don't know which of the four groups I actually like. If, yeah, I was interested. You know what I mean? I don't. Um, I don't know that I care enough. I think I, I appreciate the the discussion around all four groups of like what they think of Adam a lot. I I probably if I if I had to make a decision, if I had to, and I and I say this with like not a, really an ounce of like foundation to this. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, um, if I had to, I would probably go with. Um, bunch of people Adam and Eve were handpicked. I don't in and that I have would, my reasons. That, for that would be my second choice. <laughs> like I don't and I don't, but I don't even there. Like <laughs> I don't even know. And um, because you know I grew up with just you know my background was I grew up with literal you know six days of creation. You know it's interesting when people talk about the seventh day. Um, it's the only day that doesn't have day or night. Mm. And it's the only day that that would hypothetically mean that it was unending. Hmm. And so, um, so anyway, uh, I, I grew up with little six day young earth, all that stuff. But then, you know, the more I read scripture and realized, um, and studied it and realized, whoa, 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 there's way more to this. Like, you know, the word for day is not the same meaning throughout the whole entire creative narrative. It means different things at different times. You've got, 
um, in order for me to believe in the literal six day creation, I always then I had to also believe, as it says in there in Genesis one, it talks about this this rakia, which is this dome that encapsulates um, the entire earth that is holding back all of these waters. Mm. And so I have to believe that there's this dome that's up there. Um, I have to believe that uh, that somehow plants grew before there's actual sunlight, because that's mm. what it says in you know. The, in creation. And so, um, and then for me, there, there started to be some holes, like even the Cain and Abel story, which is part of the creation story in its fullness. When you look at the whole thing. Um, oh, I'd also say in Genesis one, it's clear that Adam means humanity it does not mean, you know, um, a person. Now it does switch in Genesis two to Adam and Eve. Um, but even there, you know, Eve is viewed as, um, when it talks about the helper, you know, the helper, the word, the, you know, that our caller like talked about headship and stuff like that. But like, man, that word for help for helper means God, you know, it's, it's used to refer to God in all the other places in scripture. And so there's this mutuality, mutuality, that's actually there, mutuality, mutuality. <laughs> that it's actually there. Um, and so anyway, there's, you know, cause even Eve says that God told us mm. as if she was there. So there, there's some things there that um, make that, sticky for me when I first started getting into it. Of course, science plays in this too, but I was going to say with Cain, you know, it's interesting um, when Cain gets sent out Mm -hmm. east, all of a sudden there are cities. Where did the cities come from? Right. Right. All of a sudden there are, um, uh, where's Cain's wife from? Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are these unanswered questions that go along with this narrative. And so for me, that made me pause and take a step back and be like, well, okay, maybe God just did something that's way beyond what I know. And these people were wrestling with, how do we talk about this? Mm-hmm. And I believe God's power and his spirit, like, you know, went into these writers and everything. And, but they were still human as they're, they're like wrestling with some of these concepts. And so that's why for me, like in the creation story, it does not impact how I view the resurrection. Like when I, when I hear about Paul, when Paul writes about, you know, Jesus being the second Adam, I'm like, cool. He's just a better Adam, just like he was a better David. He was a better Moses. He was a better Noah. He was a, you know, better Abraham. And, and you could say, well, yeah, but all those people were real. So that means Adam is real. I'm like, it doesn't have to for me, Yeah. you know, and it doesn't impact my view of the death and resurrection. It sure as heck doesn't a view. It doesn't impact my view of sin. Like mm-hmm. sin is real. Sin is a thing. Jesus's death and resurrection had to take care of that. So, um, so it doesn't impact those things for me. Yeah, and, you know, he brought up sort of how do we maintain the authority and infallibility of Scripture. This term infallibility, I think, is something that is is kind of like a tennis ball that is that is racketed back and forth between progressive, quote-unquote, progressive Christians and, quote-unquote, conservative or traditionalist Christians. Like, you believe it's fallible, you believe it's infallible. I would like to put the word infallible on trial <laughs> a little bit because, look— if if you're asking me, do you believe without a shadow of a doubt that Jonah was a real person? I'm going to say no. <laughs> I don't believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jonah was a real person and was really swallowed by a whale. Okay, so you believe that scripture is fallible. If that's your definition of fallible, my answer is yes, I believe it's fallible. If your definition of infallible is, do you believe that um, humans will always try to put themselves in God's place and then fall from that spot? My answer is yes. I always believe humans will do that. (laughs) And so I think that that truth is infallible. Like the truths in the Bible to me, not the details, are infallible. So in that way, if you ask me, do you think Scripture is infallible? I would say yes, because I think the things that Scripture teaches us are always true. People will always try to shirk their responsibility. Resurrection, like resurrection will always happen. If you want to experience resurrection plant a tree in your backyard as long as you don't live in florida and watch it it dies <laughs> it stays dead for a while and then it comes back like yeah. resurrection is real and i know that's like scary naturalistic for some people or whatever but the reason that i know resurrection is real is because it happens everywhere all the time your body is the cells are constantly dying and regenerating like and if Jesus, which I, and I believe that Jesus was the ultimate physical manifestation of the God that created everything, that through him all things were created and without him nothing that is created would have been created, then I believe he physically came back from the dead because, not because 
I think that like the Bible is a perfect scientific document, but because I know that that's what happens right? Like, when you're, does that make sense? Yeah. Like you can, yeah, I, I think, like, I think the Bible is true. And I think right. the Bible is the inspired word of God. As I said earlier, I think the Bible is true in everything that it's intending to be true about there. There are just moments that we, I think we as humanity, and this makes sense that we try putting things on the Bible that the Bible is not trying to actually say itself. And so when we do that, we're going outside of what the Bible is trying to do it in and of itself. And so I get it. Like some people will say, you know, Andy Stanley always uses the phrase like the house of cards, that if you pull one thing away mm-hmm. from the Bible, that all of a sudden people's faith comes apart. And again, I, for me, I'm like, if that happens so easily, then they've actually missed out on like the truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the spirit of God working in their lives. That that God has to be bigger than all of those things, you know? And so there can be some discussion. There can be some like, like if you told me like Jonah is real or isn't real, it, it doesn't impact me at all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, do I think it'd be cool if Jonah was real and was literally swallowed by a whale? And do I maybe think that there's a part of me that does. I'm probably like, honestly, I'm probably like 70, 30 on that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I lean towards it was a real thing that happened and just like God did something nuts, mm-hmm. you know. But if we get up to heaven and um, and there's Jonah's up there because I there is scripture that talks about Jonah as a real person. Mm-hmm. If Jonah's if Jonah's up there and I'm like, dude, the whale, and he's like, nah, man, I was trying to tell, <laughs> I was just trying <laughs> to, to tell a, a bigger story. That's like that's what we did. I would be like, oh, cool. That's kind of a bummer. He'd be like, that been wild though, right? You know. Yeah. So I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't fully matter. You know, when you were talking about the the depth of what scripture is trying to get into us the understanding of who god is the realities are there this is the part that i think um when we study scripture that people don't do enough of which is like people be like oh well if that's not true then how do you know what jesus taught was true and i'm like see like this is why we need to study scripture better because there are ways to determine what is literal what is real what is like times like the way people wrote in the New Testament, radically different than the Old Testament. The purposes of certain things, radically different in how they engaged it. The realities of historical data that we have about Jesus himself, very different than some of the other things that we have. And so that's the beauty of Scripture, but it's also the challenge. Yeah. Um, I think my last thought for right now, there were like a couple of things that our friend sort of brought up that I would take time to specifically push back on, but I won't because I don't think that it's super important. But like the idea that um, that uh, the authors of the Bible were dead set on Adam being a biologically real person, I don't know that they were concerned with it um, because they were not as concerned with empiricism as we are. <laughs> yeah. Like this idea that you can empir- empirically and forensically prove a thing was physically real. For them... I don't think was as important as it is to us. Um, well, and if it, if Adam was like that important, I think he would have been mentioned way more. Yeah, he's not mentioned that much, in, especially not in the Old at Testament. all, basically. Um, but uh, and also, yeah, just kind of challenging the unraveling thing is just. I think that our, um, yeah, our, our God and Christ crucified and resurrected is is bigger than. Um, our sort of dialectics and our, you know, our arguments and yeah. and our, like, to me, science and empiricism and rationality points back to God. God doesn't point to science. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, the Bible doesn't need to be scientifically true for it to be capital T true, because for me, science, biology, life sciences, archaeology, anthropology, and psychology are only good if they point back to God and God doesn't need to point to them. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I think like when people always bring up like, well, did the flood happen or didn't it wags? And I'll say, I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, like we have like evidence that there was like some massive, I mean, like, something flood, happened, something happened. Right. I, yeah. And I actually do believe the flood, but so, which I would archaeologically, honestly, like, honestly, I would like yeah. if that is one that I would say like, yes to, um, but there is like, so think about this um, with the flood. If um, the Canaanites relate to Cain, mm-hmm. right, how did they get there later on if all humanity was wiped out? 
Yeah. Well, and we also think about we have a global view of everything because we have cable television <laughs> and the Internet. Like if you I always say this to people, if you lived in a little town and I'll bring Florida up again because it's surrounded by water. If you lived in Florida and had no TV and no access to news and had never met anyone that lived farther than you could walk and there was a hurricane, f- the world ended. Right. Like if you if as far as you can walk or row your boat is covered in water, f- like, wouldn't you write the yeah. whole world is covered in water? Yeah, it's like because you don't know that China exists. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't, and we you know. see this in Joshua, in the book of Joshua, when it says we wiped all the Canaanites out. They like they they said that they were all gone, but yet two chapters later, like here are the Canaanites some... again. You know, so like so we got to understand yeah. like the way that the Bible is actually written and some of those reasons too, and and in the beauty of it. Yeah. So we went longer than we expected, but yeah. we also kind of knew we would go long. I, I want to close with 1 Corinthians one twenty three, where Paul, um, I'm not going to imperfectly quote it, but Paul basically says, you know, um, the Jews are concerned with, you know, signs and, and signifiers, and the Greeks are concerned with knowledge and wisdom. Uh, you know, I'm here to preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to them both. And just kind of challenge us to notice when we're being, you know, um, uh, the Jews in this instance, um, in which we're like always looking for signs and signifiers and magical reality. And when we're being Greeks in this instance, where we're always looking for hard proof and trying to prove things through argument and, and observation and da, 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 da. And then remember that, you know, preaching Christ crucified is a stumbling block to both of those stances. Yeah. And I would just end with like, hey, we all go to Jesus. If we're Christians, we go to Jesus. Like Jesus, his death is resur- his resurrection, the realities of sin and what that took care of. Agreed, 100%. And then on the other things, like appreciate the banter, appreciate the study of scripture, appreciate, hey, if we're tackling a topic like creation or whatever, how that ties into other cultural things, whatever, appreciate the perspectives and the banter that goes along with that and look for the truth of what God wants us to pull out of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And thanks to our, our caller <laughs> um, so much for agreeing to let us air that and, and talk about it a little bit. If you have questions, quips, comments, quotes, or concerns, you can email them to curious at hillcityrva.com. We've now proved that we actually listen to and read all of the things. <laughs> um, and please like and subscribe to the podcast. Share it so others can get in on the, on the conversation. And until next time, remember to stay curious. curious.